0: Revolutionary podcast coming your way, episode 520. So today we have a fun podcast coming. Today we're going to be talking about balancing relationships and the fitness grind. We're going to talk about all that stuff and and give you some tips and our experiences. And we'd love to hear from you and some of the experiences that you've had over the years. First, though, let's talk about steroids and relationships. And the first topic is going to be, do you tell them? So, you know, I talked about this before on, on on a couple other podcasts before, a while back. Many of you may not have heard that one. But Mobster hasn't been able to really give his opinion on it. So, you know, let's hear from Mobster first. Mobster, what do you think about this topic? Stereoids and relationships, do you tell them? Why don't you um, give some tips on yeah. that one?
1: In a word, yes. <laughs> but that would make for a hell of a short podcast, Steve. <laughs> I, I've seen it come up on the forum, and I understand the nature of the legality and even an argument about morals and ethics and stuff like that, right? But the reality is that we're talking on a podcast about performance-enhancing drugs and on a forum about performance-enhancing drugs. So it's kind of ironic for me. One of the things that I think really seems a little bit crazy to me, Steve, is that as often as not, we're not just talking about girlfriends, partners, what else, we're talking about husbands and or wives. So my conversation my inputs whenever i see this come up steve is this person is supposed to be as close to you as anybody possibly can be in your life they're your best 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 friend they are your sexual partner you're as intimate with them as you're with anybody else and especially so if you've managed to raise some children or in the process of raising some children now Without getting into the whole social aspect of the divorce rate and all the rest of it, I don't understand how someone who should arguably know all your innermost secrets, except maybe that crazy thing you did when you was higher on your stag do, and you really don't want to talk about it because you're embarrassed, it should be something that you should talk about. Now, the biggest problem with that, of course, is, 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 is the media and education and everything else. Do I want to sit down and explain how I feel that I can handle it, that I'm using low dosages, that I take a safe approach and all the rest of it. And does does the partner, male or female, does they, do they want to sit there for a half an hour? Well, you know, I show them um, articles while I talk about clinical use versus uh, training and so on and so forth. And then and there's even like, you know, guys, I compete or certainly have competed in the past and to a very high level. But not everybody does. Some of it is just about looking good in, in in on the beach or whatever else. And you want to have that conversation. But equally, do you want to have a conversation where they find out they 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 find your stash, they find your 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 your, your the needles, they find your sharp's box? Do you want to have to then explain to this person, male or female, that you you've declared your undying love to, you, you've got married to, or you're in a in that sort of super deep relationship with? even if you're not married, guys, girls, do you want to have to have that conversation after the fact? So for me, it's always, yes, tell them, Steve. Um, you might not want to explain it. They'll they, they have stuff about themselves that they, they, they should talk to you about, uh, secrets, things, topics of conversation that sometimes should have happened. It shouldn't happen when they find your status. It shouldn't happen when a divorce comes up. I think the problem you've got sometimes, and this is more so in America than in this country, Steve, although I'm sure it's happened here too, and that is when you do have a relationship finish, and especially when we, we've seen this happen, it, something that they were okay with uh, okay with in a relationship gets thrown in your face when it comes to the divorce, and especially when it comes to custody of the children. So I then get and understand why it becomes an issue but ultimately i i think even for that situation i would probably turn around and say if there was a custody battle or was a divorce issue whatever else you know i would make sure that i'd made a note somewhere and say this and we sat down she was okay with it for 10 years why is that problem now but i get it so for but for me the answer is yes i'm not married never have been although i have had a child and i've got grandkids i've never had to deal with the divorce Uh, And I've always been up front with it regarding the legality of it. And um, to the best of my knowledge, I don't think that the actual taking of the steroids in a relationship that I've had has ever been an issue. Now there are other problems, which we'll get to in terms of balancing relationships, but the actual use of steroids has not been an issue for me. And I would always say yes with with the uh, suggestions that I've already made back to you, Steve. So two, two points on this. Number one,
0: if you're in a you know if you're a guy, and you're hiding steroids from a woman. It's not going to work because women, you're not going to be able to fi- hide anything from women. Like literally, if I move something in my house, and my uh, my girlfriend comes home, she's gonna she she'll know that it's moved. She'll tell me put it back, I put it back. I That's feel. like the first thing she'll say. And like hiding things from them is is just not going to work. Like like if you want to hide like you know um you know something personal from a woman. You're probably the best way to hide it is like in the attic, you know, where you have to get a ladder, go up in the attic because no no woman's going to go to the attic. So that's like the only place in the house that you can hide something. So, you know, hiding steroids in the attic is not a good idea because of the heat up in the attic. Um, So, yeah, um, you're going to have to figure out a way. But here here's here, here's a second point. This is what I've talked about for a while. If you know what you're doing and she knows that, you know, what you're doing, she's she or he. They're not going to have a problem with it. But if you are a clusterfuck of a mess and you don't live the lifestyle, like, let's say, you do she she she'll know right away. Like, wow, this guy works out like right off the way on a first date. I get asked questions like, yeah. oh, wow, how many times a week do you work out? They want to know that they'll ask, what gym do you go to? They're trying to make conversation with you on a first date. They're trying to make small time. I've had women ask me on the first date. Oh I don't have a problem if a guy uses steroids as long as they know what they're doing. So they'll say stuff like that. they know that they know that I'm big into fitness, right So they meet yeah. me because you know I've got you know huge muscles, I got wide shoulder and I have a very thin waist. so obviously they put two and two together because a lot of other guys that they have been on dates with are the opposite. They've got a big gut and tiny shoulders. It's like the opposite look. You know, that's the American physique of today, especially for my age group and especially for mobsters' age group. So, if you show her in a relationship right off the bat that, yeah, this guy knows what he's doing, he's eating good. Like, if you go on a date and go to a restaurant and you order junky food, okay, then she'll know, wow, this guy doesn't eat good. If you do recreational drugs, if you, you know, don't take care of your body, you're a big drinker or you drink at all. And she sees that and she's going to be like, well, um, I don't think it's good to use alcohol with steroids. Women aren't not stupid or a guy, if you're dating a guy, he ain't going to be that stupid. He's going to know. So if you live the lifestyle and you don't do drugs, you don't drink, you eat good, you look you look good. She's not going to be able or he's not going to be able to say a damn thing to you about about your steroid use. And also, if they bring it up, you could tell them, look, I use it in moderation, very small amounts. I come off properly. If she, if, you know, if you're a type of person, you blast grams of gear year round, then hell, I'd have a problem with it. If I was dating a girl, let's say, because I'm straight, I was dating a girl and she abused the crap out of steroids and she ate shit and she drank while she was on, let's say, Anavar or Winstrol, which are two oral steroids that women use, I'd have a problem with that myself. And I am. Am I a hypocrite? I use steroids. No, I'm not a hypocrite because I use steroids, but I use them properly. So that's what you should be doing anyway. So if that's the case, she'll be much more likely to accept it. But there are going to be a small amount of people out there, men, women who are going to have a problem with your steroid use, And that's just part of the game. But for the most part, I've never had an issue with it. And I've dated plenty of of women and I've never had an issue with my steroid use. Once, you know, once they see it, they see that I do it properly. They see that I'm not using a ton of gear. They see that I know, you know, I know what these compounds do to my body, etc. cetera. Now they may have a problem with, let's say you're in PCT and your libido crashes or you can't get it up. Then they might have a problem with that. But then you just explain them, look, I'm in PCT. I'm going through a little rough patch right now. It's normal. It'll pass after a week or two. I appreciate you being patient with me and then be like, look, I'll finger you. I'll eat you out, whatever, to get you off. Just be a little patient with me. That's it. Or take or take some Viagra and take some Cialis. Boom. And that's done. So, you know, you've got to really just, you know, just um, know what you're doing. That's the bottom line. And and you could show her, you know, what you're doing by showing her this podcast and be like, hey, these guys, Mobster and Steve do these podcasts and they teach us how to use these steroids properly. So. At the end of the day, and if if they have a problem, they just get in touch with me, get in touch with Steve, and Steve can kind of go over. I've had I've had girlfriends get in touch with me of guys they're dating, and they just wanted they the, the guy wanted to do steroids really, really bad, and she wanted to get in touch with me and do a consultation just so she could go over everything and make sure it was being done the proper way. Isn't that funny? I've actually had clients like that over the years, so. Yeah, yeah, that's always an option, too. So you can get a hold of me for that reason. So, all right, Monster, anything else you want to add, Monster, before we move on to the next one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, we'll get into more specific stuff. But, I mean, it's just things like showing, as you said already, that you're safe. And that and that, that can be um, the blood test that we talk about on the forums. It can be uh, running, as you said, a proper PCT. I'm giving a silly little example. And it sometimes comes up in the forums, and it occurred to me while you were talking to it's slightly off tangent, and it's it's the one that comes up about, and I think you said, especially with the PCT, when some of the fella's testicles shrink, and whether they're in a male or, and or female relationship, um, there's an issue sometimes where it's almost like that's part of their sexual thing. I've never actually had that conversation, and mine have never shrunk down to the size of raisins, as the turn of phrase is. But it's kind of weird for me that again you are you should be explaining what's happening. These will shrink, but they will grow back because I haven't run crazy justice because I'm going to do a PCT. So again, listen. I know that Steve and uh, Ricky V have done topics on communication, and this is what we're talking about really here. Really, it's it's communicating, especially in that situation, Steve explaining what's happening, explaining what's going to happen to you, the reason why you feel like this, the reason why you act like that, and so on. I think Steve touched something at the beginning, and it's quite simple. If, as Steve said, you are, and I quote, a clusterfuck, when it comes to alcohol or drugs or life or jobs or you can't stop fighting in bars or whatever, um, you're going to have a lot more problems than explaining your use of anabolic steroids. And really, in that situation guys, I love you, but you probably shouldn't be using anabolic steroids. Certainly not so you've got the rest of your life sorted out. For whatever reason, that you're doing those kind of things, it's just going to be that much more messy, and that will include the nature of your relationships. Anyway, onward, Steve. Back to you.
0: So let's get to the next topic. How about with con- competing? Um, I used to do a lot of endurance com- competitions. You guys know that. I used to was a powerlifter when I was younger. Um, but you know, I noticed a lot of these guys that I would train with who were, you know, triathletes and Ironmen. What do they have all in common, mobster? They were divorced or they're really in bad relationships. So when you're competing at that level and they're in sports or really any competition, when you're at that level where you're competing in Ironman competitions and triathlons and powerlifting competitions of the highest or in bodybuilding competitions, that is maybe the worst of all. But um, I think Ironman and triathlons and traveling the world, that's might be a little bit worse than bodybuilding, but bodybuilding is pretty brutal on a relationship. So you see a lot of bodybuilders, they'll date other bodybuilders for that reason. And because there's an understanding and mobster and I talked about on the pre-show, I think there's definitely an understanding on that one. But if you're not dating someone who's also competing, then it can be really there's a lot of miscommunication and non understanding, but also it can backfire on you because she's trying to bodybuild and win her stuff. You're trying to bodybuild and win your stuff. And at the end of the day, you're not making enough time for each other. And at the end of the day, maybe there's a little friction that goes on there because she might be doing better. You might be doing better. He might be, be- doing better than you, et cetera, et cetera. So Bobster, Yeah, def- definitely get on on this topic. I'd love to hear more on your opinion. So,
1: So in the pre-show with Steve, I discussed two situations. One was a personal one when I've been competing. And I know that there's an element of, or a point in my training, when I'm going to be crazy tired, super worn out. It's actually deliberate, Steve. And uh, I rest before the competition and take advantage of something called super compensation, which allows me to recover and be ready to rock and roll on the day of competition. The problem is, especially when you're in a relationship, and more so if the person hasn't experienced this with you already, you're not there. You're tired. Uh, if you're if you're competing as a bodybuilder, you're kind of zoning out sometimes with the carbs again and 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 trying to lose water and whatever else you're doing, the cardio is a grind, the training's a grind. And it's difficult to be there in the relationship. So the conversation that I'd had was that I was going to do to a competition in Leeds. I'm going to be super crazy tired. It's going to be achy. I'm not going to be sort of rushing up and down mountains. I'm not going to be there, so to speak, uh, in, in, in a relationship as much as I should be. And then we still had to have that conversation. And At this point, I'm a couple of weeks out. I'm in exactly the state that I said I was going to be. I know from experience this is how I'm going to feel. And we start having the, you're not paying attention, you don't listen to me kind of, I'm like, right, you know what? You're not coming to the competition. You, uh, I can't be super focused, trying to win a national level competition, be tired, be everything else, and then have to deal with this bullshit. Uh, and and that's, I say that in the nicest possible way. So lo and behold, I arranged for someone else to take me to the competition so I could do my shit, which I won, thank you very much. And fortunately didn't fight that relationship. Well, i'm still with her now didn't fight that relationship but i did not need to be dealing with that stuff and i said also appreciate it Steve, and this applies as much to to other athletes but i think especially bodybuilding like you said steve and that is um you're going to be like that really to excel you need to have some sort of obsessive kind of behavior you need to be on point with your diet. You need to be right in there with your training. And you can watch any of the videos, videos going live right now. It's only about a week, a week with the weekend before the Olympia, Steve. And the guys are all depleted. The guys are all hungry. They're all thirsty. They're all trying to make weight. They're all sort of trying to lose their water. And they need an understanding partner. I would actually suggest, Steve, I wouldn't want those two, both of them, to be competed at the same time. That's very, very rare. Uh, certainly at different times, because that's the way they're handling. And there's also an element of, especially with bodybuilding, again, although it can seem like a very solo activity in terms of training and nutrition and the PEDs, in reality, there will be a bunch of people that you might want to call your crew that support you, that's in the gym. It might even be the gym owner who allowing you to come at silly o'clock in the morning, or, in, or, or, or I think Phil Heath did that. It might be... Um, your masseuse, it might be your physio, it might be your training partners. You might have more than one training partner, one who can train with you at 5 1. one who can train with you at 10 o'clock at night, one who can get you through the cardio. It might be your girlfriend getting up 20 minutes before you in the morning and making your food for the day because you're dragging, because you're just standing there with your head under, under the hot water in the shower, feeling like death warmed up, and she's getting the food ready. I can think of Eddie Hall talking about his 500-kilo deadlift, and in order to make weight and recover, uh, Alex's girlfriend, his wife, sorry, would be. If there was a part during the process where she was kind of spoon feeding him. He was so tired, so exhausted. He's sitting at the table. It's ten or eleven o'clock at night, and she was literally putting food in his mouth. That is an understanding partner. That's kind of what you need. And so it's not as solo as you think it is. And it is super important that you have people on side that understand it. But equally, you are talking about something that's incredibly selfish because it's what you want. And not everybody listening is going to be national or regional or international or world class. It's just doing what you want to do. And that might be as simple as reducing your body fat and getting a six-pack. So you've got to understand that there's an element of what you're doing that's selfish. And again, key here is communication. Explain the process. Explain how you're going to be, especially coming up to a competition. And let them know that it's a temporary situation. You're not going to be this selfish asshole all the time. You're not going to be super tired all the time or unable to communicate all the time, just for those last
0: two weeks. Back to you, Steve. I think uh, one of these situations where it's multitasking and we don't multitask when, especially men, uh, women do it a little better, but as human beings in general, we don't multitask. It's, it's very difficult for us. And it's just the way our bodies are like, we don't even eat multiple foods well. We can't eat multiple foods well. Do you know that? We don't eat single foods. So if you eat like five different things at one time, you notice you get a little stomach ache. And that, there's a reason for that. It's your body. Uh, we just evolve doing things one thing at a time. So if you're juggling competing and and then trying to juggle a relationship, it's very, very difficult. So I wouldn't even – the best way to do it when you're competing is not even being in a relationship. It's just so you can just focus on that 100%. When the competition's over, it's the off season, then you can start dating. Um, I've always found that to be better for me when yeah. I just can focus on if I've got a lot of stuff going on, if I'm, you know, a lot of life changes, you get a new career, you, you know, you're taking some classes online, you're, you're doing a lot of stuff that's taking a lot of your time. It's so much better just to just stop dating. And just focus on that. Once you get everything ironed out, everything's balanced. Now you want that relationship. And it's really hard to find a relationship that is is really contributing to you when you are so focused on competing and so focused on that. Touch on that, mobster, and then touch on kids. A lot of people I've known over the years, they have kids, and they stop going to the gym. And I ask them, like, dude, let's go to the gym. They're like, oh, I just had a baby. I just had a baby. That's always their excuse. So talk about that a little bit. How did you balance having a baby and, and gym?
1: I'll do the I'll do the first one, Steve. I actually, funny enough, you've reminded me. I, my best competitive period was when I didn't have a relationship. I didn't even think about it, to be perfectly honest. Steve, I was uh, super busy with work. We had a company that was selling supplements. I'd moved from London to Gloucester, and I would train like a, like a crazy person. I had the gym across the road from the house and the warehouse with the business. And my most competitive, when I was in America, when I was at the Arnold, all that kind of stuff was in this period. When I was winning money, when I was getting paid cash, when I was doing the expo work, was all during that time. And arguably, I was so busy, I don't think it even occurred to me that I hadn't had a relationship. I won't say that I was sexually denied or whatever else. Everything took care of itself, so to speak, in normal fashion, you know, when you're alone. But um, it never even registered on my radar. So I would actually say in terms of that particular thing, uh, yes, I'd probably agree with that. In terms of me being at my most competitive, my best, my most world-class winning British, winning Europeans, and so on and so forth, and competing at the Mighty Mix at the Arnold Classic, that was when I wasn't in a relationship. The whole, I think, was a six-year period. And I've had one single, tiny relationship right at the beginning, and I don't think it even occurred to me So I took my foot off the gas and, funnily enough, moved from Gloucester. So I made another life change. On to the family stuff. Right. So there's a bunch of stuff here, Steve. Um, I could talk about me as a competitive athlete, but I think I'll probably address this from the point of view of the average Joe. And uh, with a few little insights of personal experience. Right. So... Again, it's the work-life balance here, the balancing relationship and the fitness grind is you want to do something for yourself. It could be rebuilding a classic car or, in our case, Steve, lifting weights, doing fitness, doing your cardio. But you've got kids. Now, you could. there's a few ways. One is quite simply, guys, and I know it's kind of a pain in the ass, but go to bed early and get up early. If your kids get up at 6, get up at 5. And then go to the garage and get on a bike or go out and get your steps at five in the morning and then sort your kids out before you hit work for the day or whatever else you got to do. Uh, or get your kids involved. There's a bunch of videos, including with top professionals, where the kids will come into the gym. The kids will um, watch daddy or mummy lifting weights. I'm thinking, again, as, as a good example of very high-end uh, professional in terms of his uh, fitness, but also because he's a film star, is The Rock, Dwayne Johnson. And Dwayne trains in his gym, because it is a gym. It's not, it's not a garage. It's a proper gym that he's got on the land where we live, Steve. And he's training at 11 or 12 o'clock at night. He's doing 12 hours on set. He's coming home to have family time. And then he's going to the gym at midnight. Eddie Hall, again, that I mentioned already, would do his four hours of training and then four hours of rehab. So that's a working day, Steve. And then he would come home and eat and have family time. And then he was doing recovery work with a, a chamber that he'd built in the garden because he had some engineering background. And he was doing that when his wife went to bed. The first hour that she was asleep in bed, he was doing his recovery in his chamber. So there is an argument, guys. I get it, right? But again, don't forget what you're to- talking about here. Ultimately, even for me, as someone who's competed and being paid uh, for both winning competitions or taking prize money at competitions, i certainly been paid from my expo work, it's, it's a selfish activity. Uh, I don't care what sport it is. You are, you chose to have kids. You chose to be in a relationship. That was your decision. And the same decision for you is doing the weights. Now, I understand, as Steve understands, 100% how important it is. We would not have been doing the same as you for essentially longer than some of our listeners have been alive, Steve. I've been lifting for 43 years. And I made a big mistake once. I've touched on this as well in a relationship, Steve, by having a conversation. We was having words, shall I say, with a partner at the time. And I think I said, I was training before you. I trained during this relationship. And I'll train, these were the words I shouldn't have said, Steve, when this relationship is over. And, of course, those are not the kind of phrases that you want to drop in a conversation with the girlfriend of the moment because she's already starting to think you're thinking about finishing and you're not. You're just saying that training is super important. But, yeah. I mean, again, Steve, I never trained at weekends when my daughter would come down. Um, there was several night in influence for me, which me and Steve talked about in a pre-show that I, my speciality is grip, and I would have grippers on a sofa in, in my lounge, in my front room, in my house in London, and she would see me closing these grippers during the advertising breaks as a way of sort of getting good at them and practicing the movement and doing a certain level of volume of work. But again, I'm only doing it for two or three minutes for the adverts and occasionally would we'll pick up one of the grippers and say, look, daddy, she was six or seven at the time, look at me trying to close a gripper. So there's always an influence. I think the same thing would be if you played touch ball or something like that. She saw you having a or your kids, male or female, saw you having a hell of a time. So there is a balance. The difficulty, and I think Steve touched on it as well, would probably be when you've got a very young child. Um it's it's really, really, really difficult to be selfish in the way that you kind of need to be and still have that balance if the baby's diaper needs changing, if the baby's got snotty, if the baby needs feeding right now. Because I'm telling you now, guys, it's it's deliberately designed this way in nature. (laughs) The idea idea that you're going to carry on doing your set while while, while, while baby in the corner is screaming its head off is just not going to happen. And your your wife, your partner, whatever is going to need you to take care of business. So there has to be, this is why I'm saying. For me, in that situation, Steve, if I lived that life, which I never did, but uh, I could understand it for those that do, I would get up early. I would go to bed when the kids go to bed. So what? Not TV and stuff 24 hours a day now. Make time to have a conversation with my wife, my girlfriend, my partner, and then get up early. Or, or wait till the kids have gone to bed, have that conversation with my wife or my partner, and then go out to the garage, go out to the shed, go out to the man cave, and do what needs to be done. Or uh, another thing that I've done, Steve, is literally work, hit the gym, bang, one hour, done. Not not more than an hour, uh, often less, but make sure that I'm on schedule. So if work is finished at 6, I'm in the gym at quarter past 6, I'm out of there at quarter past 7, and I'm indoors for a sensible time. And... Boom, 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 get it done. You can always have longer sessions at the weekend. You can always have longer sessions when the kids are not around doing that stuff. Hell, Steve, one of the things you and I discussed was there are uh, malls in America, and I think we've got a couple of places like that here in the UK, where you can go with your wife, your partner, whatever, with the kids, take them to the mall, and there's a a play area, a crash in, in some gyms, but there's a play area in the mall itself, and they can be left supervised with properly trained staff that are registered and insured and so on and so forth, and you go in with the wife. You can take the wife with you and you go and do 45, 50 minutes of cardio, and they've always got a phone to get hold of you. So it can, it can feel difficult, and I think it can feel especially difficult, as Steve and I talked about in a pre-show again, if you're new to this. And that's the problem. For some of you, it's never happened. You've not had to deal with this. It's not been an experience that you're familiar with, whereas Steve and I, it has. Like Steve said, I've always been lucky in that particular, I mean my physical size is an obvious part of it and I communicate that's the reason why we do this podcast because we can talk, so we've been okay they recognise that we train that we've been able to explain what we do, we've been talked about the stressful times as being temporary and when life has happened, when I've had my child with me, with my daughter with me when I've been doing my stuff my daughter's recognised, she recognises it now and one of the things, fortunately, in my particular situation, Steve, is because I'd got to quite a quite high standard in my Trojan niche, there's an element of look at Daddy doing crazy fucked up shit. He's a champion. Uh, he can show you the medals. So there's an element of making it worthwhile. But ultimately, Steve, it's still a selfish activity. And we have to, if you choose to have children, if you choose to be in a relationship, you must, must, in my opinion, Steve, make a point of having that balance and the learning process is a difficult part, but we're helping you along that particular way. Like Steve said, whether it's with a consultation, whether it's with his podcast, that's what we're doing. We're saying it is possible because we've done it to a high level. And because there are Olympians in all kinds of sports, high level athletes that have managed to make it work. The rock, like I said, 12 hours, sometimes longer on the set. You will see him making time every week on his Instagram. There are videos of him with his children every week and he's training to stay in shape with the movies at 11 and 12 and sometimes gone midnight, sleep. So it can be done. Is it easy? No. Back to you.
0: I think if you're planning on a family or you're getting a family started, I think it's time to invest in a home gym. and you could set it up in a garage and a basement in a, a spare spare room. And um, you can definitely do it that way. And you can buy used weight equipment, Online, usually people are just, yeah, I mean, people are just getting rid of this stuff because it's been sitting, gathering spider webs for months and years. They just want to get rid of it to make room because they quit on it or they got a gym membership or something. So you could do that. And um, really, if you if you hustle the right way, you can get a nice gym set for under a thousand dollars. No problem, including a squat rack, including weights, including everything, because like I said, people are just trying to get rid of it. And if they can't get rid of it, they just throw it out. I mean, they just, they need the room. So and I've I've had a home gym myself and I ended up getting a gym membership at a really good gym and I ended up getting rid of my stuff. And I was just like, just, you know, take it, you know, pay me, um, you know, just a couple hundred bucks. and You have everything like I really don't care. I just need the room, you know. Okay. So but let's say, you know, you you can't afford to do that. You can't afford to have space. You don't have space in your place for a weight training set. Then as mobster said, um, you're just going to have to work with your spouse and, and she, she, she watches the baby. You go work out, you watch the baby. She goes and works out and you just got to work together on it, you know? And then, and then you got to find a gym that has like mobster said, the playpen area for kids. Yeah. And then, um, so most gyms, in the United States, Franchise gyms have something like that, for sure, because that is something very important to to a lot of people. So, officer, finish out your thoughts. Take us a disclaimer.
1: I'll give you an example, Steve. There's a Chinese fella on my uh, Instagram that has his weights on a balcony in his tiny little apartment. I don't know whereabouts he lives. It's tiny. And the the room is crammed with stuff. There was another, I think, one of my American buddies uh, that was training in his kitchen. Uh, and one of the things that's done, even back in the day with the older fellas, and I'm talking about the quote-unquote golden age of bodybuilding, they would have a set of chest expanders and grippers and uh, and maybe just a pair of dumbbells. And like you said, Steve, they're under the bed. So here's what they would do, guys, is they would maintain by doing one or two sessions a week, half an hour, 45, 50 minutes in the house. There are circuits. We've got people on the forums that have done that kind of training. And then at the weekend, they would get up early I know guys that go fishing, got guys that go shooting. The gym guys get up early and they go to the gym. They get in the jeep, they get in the pickup and they go to the gym because they're working real hard during the week. They've got the kids, they've got the family, but they get up early on a Saturday morning and that's the killer session. This is the grinder, Steve. The real, I'm going to do absolutely crazy shit by the next two hours, the super squat session, the heavy leg session, the leg press, all that kind of stuff because they were maintaining during the week. They were keeping their foot body fat low. They were still on point with the diet. And we wouldn't well, want to get into this probably in a part two in regards to nutrition, meal prep, when everybody else is not a meal prep like you are. But, yeah, they would do the maintenance work during the week, just enough to keep things ticking over, and then really, really kill it at the weekend. Even guys that are doing security work, Steve, 12-hour shifts, coming home and doing 15 or 20 minutes a couple of times a week, and then on the weekend going to the gym early, as soon as it opens, and hitting it for two hours. It's both days. Saturday and a Sunday. So it can be done. But again, is it easy? Is it? No. Hopefully we're going to have a, a, an update on this one, Steve, because there's so many places we can go to, like I said. So look out for maybe a part two or a part three in the future. Please note, we are not doctors and the opinions are ours. It is our view and is based on our experience and views on the topic. A podcast for informational purposes and entertainment only, the freedom of speech and the First Amendment applies.